Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Jupiter Farms Residence Podcast. This is lucky number 11. My name is Matt. I'm the president of Jupiter Farms Residence. With us, we also have... I'm Jillian. I'm Kristen. And with us today is Sir Wicked Board of Supervisor, John Meyer. Yay! Thanks I'm for thanks thrilled. for coming to join us today. To you you should be thrilled. scared. You should just be scared. No, why should he be scared? It's a, <laughs> this is scary great. today. This is great. So, John, before we go into what is going on right now, can you give us like the the little mini bio of your career, basically? Oh man, starting I'm, in grade school. You were Chippendale dancer back mini in the lo- mini lobster season. This, <laughs> yeah. Mini lobster season this. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to be brief because it goes back a ways. But 38 years in government, public service, yeah. worked for the Department of Environmental Protection, the South Florida Water Management District. I've been in Jupiter Farms now about 25 years. I've seen a lot of changes. Yeah, I'll bet. What did you do for DEP and, and South Florida? Well, I, my career was mainly regulatory. Okay. I oversaw permitting. Mm -hmm. I was involved in compliance with Mm -hmm. permits. Mm -hmm. And my last position with South Florida was as the enforcement manager. So, did you have a badge? Was there a badge? (laughs) No badges. No badges. No, we didn't arrest people. We a little lanyard with a little card with your picture (laughs) on it, maybe. (laughs) We were nice. I mainly worked in the environmental resource protection. Program. I, okay. When I was in enforcement, I did some potable water, right. drinking water, and you know, when I was with DEP, did some other programs, industrial waste, domestic waste, those mm-hmm. types of things. But mainly environmental resource permitting, which involves uh, wetlands. I'm uh, certified by the uh, Society of Wetland Scientists as a uh, there's actually a wetland so, scientist. There's actually there a Society a, of Wetland <laughs> Scientists. It's a national organization. You guys have conventions? Wetlands are important. Do you have, no, I want to know more about this society. There are conventions. I haven't been to one for, for quite a while. Do you have like hats, funny hats, or like <laughs> a secret, secret handshake? handshake. <laughs> secret handshake, yeah. They wear little cypress trees I mean, on the top of their head. Listen, <laughs> listen we, we, we joke about this, but I got to tell you, as president of Jupiter Farm, since I have been in office, John, you have been an incredible and valuable resource for us because you you know what these code books look like. You know how to distill and look at something and say, that's in violation of A, B, C, and D. Now go off and do it as opposed to us trying to wade into a wetland and you know, we'll be hip deep before we have a clue of what's going on. So people like you who are out there in our community are absolutely invaluable to us. So I want to give you you. our thanks. Well, I've enjoyed doing it. I've been a board member now for four years and uh, it's been a blast. Uh, And you're going to continue in that capacity for quite a while from what I understand. (laughs) I I hope so. You're never leaving us. Until I drop, until I, you know, it's been, it's been, uh, there have been challenges. Oh, absolutely. And um, well, because uh, we also know government works pretty slowly. So getting getting around to doing what you guys are doing, you know, watching the last couple of meetings, we're now getting into your wheelhouse. Right. I can't believe I just used that like corporate term <laughs> wheelhouse. So well, we're getting into what he wanted to get into when he was put on in exactly. the first place. What, and that was four years ago. Well, the water management aspect of the job, right. which is what really what I enjoy. And but but even that has been slow. But it's also so important right now. I mean, you know, we can run and hide our heads in the sand and and, and whatever. But there's stuff that is happening now and, and it's recognizable. It's. It's monitored. It's easily identified. And we need certain protection. I, I think maybe 
Uh, I need to resign from the board because the last four years I've been on the board every year. We seem to get a, a very, very significant and heavy rain event, which and, and that's happened. Uh, so you think that's tied to you? I think. Well, I could be. I don't know. Maybe uh, it's just John's nature's <laughs> way of saying we need you, John. John's making rain. Well, maybe that's, you know, them what? nature recognizing that they need more wetlands. Well, and, you know, you're part of that whole society. I love wetlands. Some people don't like to have their yards real wet. Yeah. So uh, that's got to be a big change has, in 25 years since you've moved here. That's been a big change. Now, we did have the 95 storm, which really was an eye opener for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, since then, we've been pretty lucky. But like I say, the last four years, we've had every single year, we have had some significant rainfall. Right. Which have put our roads underwater. Yeah. We've, and it's been unseasonable. Right. It we've seems had, like every winter rains. We have an annual 100 year rain event. So we should be good for four, 400 years now. But <laughs> we're you, not. You would think, yeah. We're not. You would think that's one of the things that factors in. Climate change is something that's been political in the past. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a reality. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 the, it's, a, it's a fact. And one of my biggest concerns, not that, you know, people aren't allowed to build out here, but we are at almost build out. So we have lost a lot of our retention area that people who moved in here back 30 years ago, 25 years ago, probably even 10 years ago, didn't have to worry so much about their yards holding water because the water ran off to the empty lots. And then, you know, the low empty lots um, and people had, I mean, look on Facebook every week, somebody wants to fill their pond. You know, somebody's right. moved in here and said, I, I, I want to fill this this pond. Right. And, and, you know, maybe this is a good point to, to uh, just try to give a little perspective on the water management system that we have here in Jupiter Farms, what it has been, you know, what it is now. I mean, if you go back a number of years, going back, I guess, to 1923, when the district was formed, we were predominantly a wetland area. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we like to say, welcome to the swamp. And it truly was a very, very wet area. Right. Not as wet as some. I mean, compared to other areas like, say, the acreage, uh, Jupiter Farms is actually in better shape in that we have a natural outfall, which is the Loxahatchee River. And I, I would assume that's probably why early settlement of Jupiter Farms occurred, because there was that natural outfall. Mm-hmm. Over the years, we've developed, we went from agriculture to residential, and now what we're seeing is 10,000 acres. We're seeing four or 5,000 homes. We're seeing population of 12,000. As residential slowly built up in the farms, there became a, a, a very obvious need for drainage. Right. Um, so back in 1989, Sir Wicked, I'll call it Sir Wicked, Sir the Wicked. South Indian River Water Control District. <laughs> Sir Wicked is easy. Yeah. Uh, Sir Wicked entered into an agreement with South Florida Water Management District to start utilizing the C-18 through the G-92 structure. Mm-hmm. And that was only the in 89. That was in 89. Right. In, in the 60s, 70s, 80s is when residential development really started cranking up. And I right. think they saw the need that we needed more drainage. Mm-hmm. The Loxahatchee River just wasn't enough. Right. So we entered into this agreement whereby South Florida allowed us to reverse our flow. So instead of sending it to the Loxahatchee River, we sent it to the C-18. And that helped us a lot. I mean, that's, that's like 400 CFS. That's a fair amount of water. So we, at that point then, we were in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. But since 89, like you said, that's 30 years ago now. Yeah. God, that's um, scary. Huh? 30 years since, we've, we've had a lot of development. 
So we've gone from, I don't know, maybe a build out of 80% to 90, 95%. Mm-hmm. A lot of the lots have been built on. And filled. What, and filled. I mean, what is, what's, what's happened is that we have an area that used to be predominantly wetland. A lot of sloughs, a lot of seasonally connected wetlands. And the way nature works is that they have the perfect retention system whereby wetlands fill up. They retain the water, and when the water gets to a certain elevation, it overflows across your pine lands and then out into the Loxahatchee River. Well, once you lose those wetlands, which and we have lost most of them, mm-hmm. we no longer have those retention areas. So we have to replace that uh, with something else, either that or have more water running off. A lot of the water, like you said, Kristen, now goes into vacant lots. A lot of the wetlands we have take more water than they really should. Mm-hmm. Water goes into people's yards. And, and that's one of the things that I would really like to get out there through the podcast is that's perfectly normal. That's it's supposed to do that. It's supposed to do that. <laughs> I mean, and that's the way it's always worked when we get rainfall. We are at grade. And so the water stands on properties and until it gets to a point where it can flow out of our swales into our bigger canals and then on into the Loxahatchee or the C-18. Yeah, so if you're going to go on Facebook and complain about all your standing water, wait 24 hours because everybody that after this last you know big rain event went up there and said, I'm flooding, I'm flooding, I'm flooding. And in 24 hours, it was all down three feet. Right. Yeah. There's you a know, yeah, really interesting to- topographical map that made its way onto Facebook. And if you look at where your house is, you can understand how much water you should be seeing in your yard on a normal basis. And my house is definitely, it's towards the back, towards the slough, in the middle. And we hold a lot of water during the wet season or when we have these unseasonable rains. But now seeing that map, I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm super lucky that my house doesn't flood and I just need to live with the fact that my yard holds water because look at where my house was built. Right. Because we are at grade, this is unlike developments that go in now, where what happens when a new development goes into any area, whether it's wetland or not, there are retention areas that are dug. There is what's called mass grading. So you take the fill from those retention areas, you spread it, you raise the elevation of the entire development. We don't have that. We're at grade and and we do not have any pumps. Now, back in the the early days, uh, they had pumps. Mm-hmm. And there was no question they used pumps that was they had to uh we don't have any pumps we are at grade we are in a situation that's much different than a lot of communities are in we south in florida. some way at the mercy of south florida water management district onto how much we are allowed to drain off and how much they're going to accept and maybe i shouldn't have said Restrained. at the mercy where it's it's a it's symbiotic kind of right yeah. no i mean we work with south florida a water management district and they have been very good to us we have close coordination but we're limited by the G92 structure as mm-hmm. far as how much water can physically pass through it. We can open the gates on G92 all the way, but there's only a certain amount of water that can go through. The other thing that limits us is the, are the water levels in the C18. Right. And this is something that we have to be very diligent about uh, staying on top of to make sure that we don't have too much water in the C18. Because if we, we are, again, a gravity system. So if C18 comes up too much, then we cannot gravity feed. We have to be able to have a higher elevation on our side than C18. And I think this came to light in the recent uh, Loxahatchee River restoration Mm -hmm. uh, project that has to do with the Loxahatchee River and restoring the historical flows that went there, which means 
putting more water into the Loxahatchee River, which is a, a lot different than some of the other uh, estuaries we have, like, say, the St. Lucie River estuary, right. where they get too much water. They're getting discharges from Lake Okeechobee and, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of surrounding areas, so they get too much water. We're trying to, when I say we, the, the Corps of Engineers, South Florida Water Management District, is trying to put more water into the Loxahatchee River to push back the salt wedge so that we don't have salt water intrusion in our drinking water and just keep the estuary in its historical condition. So what that means, though, is by having more water in the C-18, there may be times when we can't discharge because the water level is higher than than we are. So right. we, we have to be we have to stay on top of that. So far, so good. Uh, South I, Florida. I water. know the, the G92 performed incredibly well during that last major rain event. I mean, they were it was over its right. It's and, what it's supposed to perform at. Yeah. And that's why you see you, you mentioned 24 hours. Sometimes it takes maybe two or three days. Right. But usually water is off of our roads with, within a matter of a day or so. As far as no water being in yards, I mean, the lower properties in the farms uh, hold water year-round right? Uh, in some cases. And that's because even though we've lost a lot of wetlands, when the original roads and swales went into Jupiter Farms, they were pretty much built at grade. So they go up and down. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not a, a consistent elevation. So Mike Dillon referred to it as a golf ball. Right. Dimples on the, I've great, heard that. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was a great now yeah. Someone He said that he didn't take credit for coming up with it. but And that's true. I mean, our, our wetlands are the dimples. And, and so our wetlands fill up and they hold water and they can't hold water for extensive periods of time. Most of our properties, especially the higher ones, drain pretty rapidly and, and we're back to normal after a big rainfall within several days. Right. Right. But, you know, people who move from areas that have storm sewers where the water goes away, away. We're back they, to don't, away. they don't really think about, you know, where away is. For us, away is right over there. Right. <laughs> it's and right on the other side of the, of the community. And that's or it the, could be away into somebody else's yard. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Who's in a wetland or a lower elevation. Right. And, you know, that's the challenge is that people are used to a certain lifestyle being, lifestyle. <laughs> and when they move here, they're not always up to speed on, on how things work drainage wise. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's an educational process. And luckily, Mike Dillon is very good at that sort of thing. And he uh, meets with people one on one every single day. Yep. And explains this sort of thing. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing because there definitely is a learning curve to anybody who moves here when it comes to all things water. It seems, you know, just from the well systems that, that we um, that we have to drainage. And I know that there's some exciting things hopefully coming up in the future from Sir Wicket. They're, they're looking at, you know, really doing some major infrastructure changes. Right. And, you know, just going back to what I had mentioned about, we started out on a smaller scale. We, uh, we decided let's do some things that we have control over. So we developed the driveway culvert uh, replacement program which has been hugely successful. It's a public-private partnership where the district picks up actually more than 50% of the tab yeah. for putting in a culvert. We do all the work. The, the culvert is paid for, but even, even what, we're, what was being paid for to get the culvert is slightly less than cost, but it's a, it's a great deal for the property owners. And the biggest thing for us is that we've begun to tackle our secondary drainage system. And 
we need to replace a lot of driveway culverts because if you have a driveway culvert that doesn't work, it water, affects everybody. It affects everyone. Yeah. Uh, water backs up. Uh, it'll back up uh, for the you know both you know on the one side. It's very easy to see if after a rainfall you see water that's higher on one side than the other. You know you don't have right. a culvert that's working. So right. when we replace the culvert, we also re- restore the proper elevations uh, for the, the swales on both sides of the culvert. So. We started that, and that's been that's been uh, uh, very successful. Yep. Uh, I think we've put in five, six hundred culverts now. Yeah. And we still have a long ways to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. We're talking about four or five thousand properties in Jupiter Farms. Um, we've we've tried to use the the, the plastic as much as possible, the uh, HDP, but most for some, whatever reason they want to put in the steel, which is fine. Uh, steel doesn't last as long, but with the plastic that. that those culverts last for you know a lifetime. We started with that. We then tackled some of the regulations that govern Sir Wicked landowners as far as filling of, mm-hmm. of lots. Because, again, going back to what you said, Kristen, a lot of people are bringing in fill. Understandable, if you build a house, you have to bring in fill. Some of the yards that get soggy or go underwater, a lot of people don't like that. So we do get quite a few people that want to raise the elevation of the yards. Understandable to some degree, but what that does is it takes up storage that would otherwise be available in the vacant lot. So it also starts dirt wars. It starts dirt you know, you wars. Have, you have one starts, neighbor that, that no. brings up their elevation. Then the other neighbor, I mean, I've seen super six expensive. Foot, I've seen six foot fences that are now three foot fences because people have brought in so much fill. And the answer is the water's got to go somewhere and some of it's got to be held or i mean by law it has to be held on your property you can't drain onto your neighbor's property that's not legal right so yeah so what the county did was they revised actually they didn't revise so much as they came out with a policy to interpret a whole bunch of laws that we had that were just sort of being ignored lost in the (laughs) shuffle they were in there but nobody was enforcing exactly so they came up with policies that made it clear as far as what you could or couldn't do. They came up with a policy that you can bring in 20 cubic yards of fill maximum under an exemption. Basically, you don't have to get a permit. Per year? Per... Two years, two I years. think. Oh, it's two years? That okay. is two years, okay. and that's per acre also. Right. Now, that doesn't mean you can't fill. You need to bring in fill for whatever building or right. leveling beyond just maintenance. You can't do that. It simply means you have to get a permit. Right. In that way, we're hoping that maybe, you know, we're going to slow down the extensive filling that we've seen. Pond backfilling. Pond backfilling, you know, and and we can talk about that. That's a a big one. You know, a lot of people are filling their ponds for whatever reason. We're encouraging people to dig ponds. So, you know, that's, that's, um, I always encourage people to, to dig a pond, use the fill from the pond. And you can elevate your property that way. If you don't like the soggy lawn, fill it, but use the fill from the pond. Well, the irony of it is, is that if you have the soggy lawn space to begin with, which means it probably should be a pond or some kind of a wetland, giving it back and creating another wetland or pond for that area gives you the water retention and you don't have to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to it also, up it also that, gives your home a lot of safety. There's where your water's going to go when it rains. It's right, not going right, to go in your right. house. You're right. giving yourself and your neighbors retention. Um, and there could be really good ways to do it that might actually make it, I'm not just digging a hole in my yard. I'm actually building a water feature that brings wildlife to it. And it's a, 
a place to recharge your well so you don't have to worry about your well going dry. And like you said, gives a place for your water to go when they have a big rain event. So there's a lot of good things that can come out of that if people wanted to go that route. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's a, it can be an aesthetic benefit. It's something that can look good, brings in wildlife. There's the water quality aspect, that you're retaining things on your property rather than discharging them out to the river. So, yeah, I mean, it basically re- it provides storage and all the other things. So it's, it's something that we would really like to see more of. Uh, and you can aquascape it and, and really have something nice. And based on what you were saying about the new program with the Loxahatchee River, where we may not be able to discharge our water as we wish when we want to, it's a good alternative for people to start thinking about that. Going back to the timeline, the second thing was, you know, trying to get a little bit of a handle on, on you know, filling. Then we started looking bigger picture and uh, we decided that, um, you know, working internally was good, but there's only so much we could do. Right. Um, so we started looking at properties that could be purchased mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe we could dig some lakes similar to the Hatcher Lake, uh, which is by all, sizable lake. It's a sizable lake. And by all accounts, the water coming out of Hatcher Lake, which takes our canals, number one and number two. Is, is very good quality. And we think that's in large part because of Hatcher Lake, where the, the water goes into the lake. And right. basically a lot of the things settle out and then the good water comes out, goes into the river. So the idea was if we could have some more Hatcher Lakes, that would be a fantastic thing. Well, obviously property costs right. have gone up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started looking at some price tags that were, and I mean, you all know you were oh, at yeah. some of the meetings. The oh, yeah. and, and uh, it's a great idea, except. Yeah. Very expensive. Yeah. Extremely. Yeah. And, expensive. and you just don't, it, the, you know, the bang for the buck just isn't there. Not to say in so, at some point in time we couldn't do that, but uh, this. I think if we were working. where we were now, Six years ago, when we might have been able to get, say, the Reynolds Ranch for right. $5 million, do that as a bond issue, that might have been something that we could have entertained, but that ship sailed because that really right. was the last big, biggest... Big property. Yeah. Right? I mean, we've got 20-acre parcels, Yeah, uh, but that 20 acres, is it's... Uh, it's going to cost you a, uh, you know, a million dollars and... And as I learned this week, there are only three 20-acre lots that are privately owned in the farms. Really? Yeah. Really? That's... So, you know, people there keep saying seven we have all together and f- four of them are school and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. And Sir Wicked is actually in that because of the, right. the canals, but they're only three 20 acre parcels. Hmm. Interesting. Now we have to go find those three people and go, could you give that to us? Yeah. Why don't you donate, donate it? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that's going to be up there tax, on their tax list. Yeah. No, I mean, six and years, like six years ago, we could have gotten a hundred and, you know, 150 acres for 5 million. That would have probably been worth it. And it would have right. been a great holding area and in a great area two for the farms right. uh right before you know we get over to the east side where we want to discharge it but right anyway that ship has sailed so yeah and, and luckily we had the foresight back in the 90s and i think they actually put the weirs in these are the weirs that are at the end of our major canals on the east side of the farms the weirs do hold some water back they provide some treatment and they give us flexibility as far as releasing water talk about what that means to retaining the longer that we retain water the better the water quality is going to be when we discharge it. Right. Why is that important, John? Well, when water goes into a pond or it uh, is retained in some way through our swales, mm-hmm. canals, whatever it may be, your pollutant levels, your suspended solids, uh, things like that settle out. And so uh, they go to the bottom 
And then, you know, you can go in and you can excavate those and maintain that area and actually pull the, physically pull the pollutants out of the holding area uh, so that the water that's being released is cleaner. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is the timing. Uh, when, when you're dealing with water that's discharged from a uh, holding area, you have the ability, and this is what happens with uh, the weirs that are at the end of our canals, you have the ability to hold water back, which then recharges our groundwater. The water that is, is held back um, uh, provides base flows, I mentioned this a minute ago for the Loxahatchee right, River. Right. So you're you're keeping water there uh, year round, and you're holding water there so that when you need it, which is the the dry months, then you can release that water instead of just having a ditch where you just release a slug of water with all the suspended solids, the the nutrients, and all the other nasty stuff that mm-hmm. just goes straight out into the river. The other thing is that you want to hold water back because of every single property on the Loxahatchee River or in the Loxahatchee River watershed were to release all of their water after a big rainfall event, the estuary, our, our neighbors along the estuary would be, would go under, I mean, there would just be such a large amount of water that uh, they would be flooded. Right. So, and, and that's what water management is all about, is, is holding water back uh, to the degree you can without flooding. So we hold water back. We try to hold it back to the point where, you know, you mentioned the 100-year elevation, mm-hmm. uh, 100-year flood elevation, Matt. Uh, that's the elevation that, the minimum elevation, you can have a finished floor elevation for a, a home in Jupiter Farms. Right. So we hold the water back, but not so much that the water gets to that level and it would flood a house. Right. We get close sometimes, though. We get close. Yeah. And in 95, uh, we had a few... Breaches. Yeah. We're breached, yeah. So culvert program, weirs, retention, what are we looking about in the future? What we hope to do, and this is the direction we're going now, is that, and this is, it's going to take a while, but we're, we're doing surveying. We're shooting topo, trying to figure out where our easements are, our, mm-hmm. where our right-of-way boundaries are. And that goes back to a lot of the fact that our secondary drainage system was kind of ignored for a couple of decades, and people at Sir Wicked kind of lost sight of where things were. And now that there's a right. whole new crew there and new supervisors and, and new management, we're discovering you know, <laughs> pipes and outfalls and easements that we didn't even know existed. Right, yeah. And and have and subsequently needed and subsequently collapsed or you know need re- repairs and you know fixing some neighborhoods because wow all of a sudden hey look there was a pipe outfall here that collapsed twenty five years ago maybe it should be repaired right we're basically inventorying what we have to find out because it had never you been done before you, you can't do a whole lot until you know what you have to work with right so now we're starting to find out you know our engineer Amy Eason mm-hmm. is doing some modeling she's coming up with calculations and plans she came up with a plan for uh, section 7 right which is one of the two sections that we've had surveys and analysis done on we're still working on section 18 but uh, section 7 is um, is one of the is, worst right it's, it's a pilot project it, it's it's one of the yeah, it's it's. I guess you could say it's one of the worst, just from the standpoint that it's it's a little lower in elevation, and it's it's had a little bit of a history. It's supposed to tell for swampness. <laughs> well, I mean, but it's also when you pick something like that, it's going to give you the best information then right. to how to address all the other, other areas. Right. 
Right. Based on this information, what we hope to do is to come up with a conceptual plan for all of Jupiter Farms. And this conceptual plan, drainage plan, uh, well, I shouldn't call it a drainage plan because it, it, it does more than drainage. Right. And this is the beauty of, of, of what we're trying to do is that we're coming up with a, I'll call it a water management plan, a, mm-hmm. a, you know, plan of improvement, water control plan. There's a lot of different names that have been given to it. But this water management plan would uh, retrofit a lot of the culverts that we have. It would put in risers and other water control structures so that we would have better control over the water. We could hold water back when we need to. We could release more water when we need to. And Not only when, but also where. When, where, and yeah, and how much. So, you know, and, and this goes back to our secondary system. This kind of ties into the culvert replacement uh, program, the driveway culvert replacement program, where what we need to be able to do is when we see that hurricane coming in and, and we need to drop the water levels down, we need to do it fast. Mm-hmm. The big October of 2017 storm that we had, where we, I think that was one of the worst since I've been on the board. That caught us by surprise, and it was funny that I think a couple of days before I was driving around and I, I just looked at everything, and everything was just so full, saturated. There were just so many areas where the water was not moving. A lot of it has to do with, you know, our, our internal system. It's, our internal system is very old. It's very, it's kind of a patchwork system that is, is not real good at getting the water moved around efficiently. And this goes back to the dimples on the golf ball. And we're always going to have some water that we're not going to be able to move out. We're not going to be able to go completely dry before that hurricane hits. Right. And I think part of that is also the way Jupiter Farms was developed. It was developed in these sections. And then they just kind of said, okay, we'll dig the ditches and we'll just tie it into the next section. Helter skelter. Right. This master water management plan would put these things into the ground that would move water fast if we need to move it out. It would also hold water back to better recharge our drinking water sources to you know, provide water quality. And maybe that's a good segue. Uh, I really wanted to talk about the water quality because the water quality is what we're hoping gets us a lot of the funding for this. Explain that. Well, right now there's a very big emphasis uh, on improving water quality uh, for the, Loxa- the northwest fork of the Loxahatchee River. And we are one of the stakeholders. We are one of the largest dischargers of water into the northwest fork of the Loxahatchee River. Uh, the Loxahatchee River, believe it or not, is an impaired water. Right. Uh, everyone thinks that quality of water in the northwest fork is, is, is very good, and it is, comparatively speaking. But DEP, the Department of Environmental Protection, has determined that there are some impairments. Right. So there's a big push not just by DEP, but multi-agency. Uh, multi-agency. You know, Jillian, you've attended oh the Loxahatchee River Preservation Initiative meetings. Rabbits There's and the, turtles and bears, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> There's the Loxahatchee River Management Coordinating Council, which, which I think which you all huge. attend. Which is huge. I mean, it has uh, all the so many agencies, yeah. And, and that is one of the, 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 the biggest things that they do. So is, basically what you're saying is if, if this water management plan can be proven that it's going to make the water quality better, that is our outfall, there's a possibility that we could get part of this funded. Exactly. 
Exactly. We, we, and yeah. And the way it would work is that, you know, we would we would uh, probably get matching funds mm-hmm. from the legislature. There are other sources, too, but that's we're kind of zeroing in on LRPI and, and, and right. uh, requesting funds. Actually, uh, there was a bill filed. I believe it was last uh, week. Representative Magar. Uh, yeah. And uh, so one of our projects, this was the Section 7 right. project, uh, was included. And, and if that were to be successful, we would get matching funds, uh, I think 300 and something thousand. Total cost is about 600 and something thousand for Section 7. Now, that excludes raising the roads, right. which might be part of the project. It depends on how far we want to get into this whole thing. Right. But at least it would get us started, uh, those matching funds, and it would, uh, it would also pay for other things. You know, right. You know, I, I don't want to say that it would pay for drainage and, and that's not the, that's we want to do both. We want to we want to improve water quality. We want to be a good steward. We want to be uh, we want to share in the responsibility for water quality uh, along with the so other it, stakeholders. It sounds like that you guys for really the first time are looking at a much more comprehensive plan and look at how all of the the water is managed right and section 7 and section 18 are going to start that and right. so we're, we're learning some lessons now which we can then apply and extrapolate to everywhere everywhere in the district in the as district. a whole it, yeah. yeah and yeah this is not just jupiter farm we've also right. been coming to you and attending the meetings and and kind of leaning on you to hey you know do something our infrastructure has been ignored please stop ignoring it we hear you the comprehensive plan just sounds like it's 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 going to be so encompassing how that's kind of scary in in some ways well it's like it, a big puzzle that you have so many yeah moving parts on well, moving water parts <laughs> we i mean essentially nothing i mean we our water management system has not been upgraded uh you know since the weirs went in that was in 2003 so uh, this would be a huge upgrade to our system, and and it would be even beyond what we've ever done since you know nineteen probably since nineteen twenty three. Wow. So it, and and obviously it's not going to be an inexpensive project. So uh, it's what, also what not going to be quick. You know, I, th- I, I think that's yeah. the big thing that people kind of look to you guys. They they ignore Sir Wicked when everything is fine and when we're in dry season, and then all of a sudden when there is a rain event. Why isn't it fixed? We elected you guys. Well, nothing gets fixed, especially governmentally, in a season or two seasons or three seasons. There's right. there's the modeling and and I think the way Sir Wicket kind of built upon itself is it was rushed during during that expansion, the urban sprawl. Let's build a new section of Jupiter Farms. We'll just plug it into the rest of the drainage system. We'll do that again. And as it went east. It, it it they did that and right. and no one has ever been able to stop and pause and say let's look at this as the bigger picture and right. and, that's and that's what we're doing because yeah, you didn't get to build did. Jupiter Farms you know as a whole development that's no, already they, they planned <laughs> right we, we, yeah. sure, no but it's been a house here a house there yeah. and then figuring out how to connect the dots whereas you go into a plan unit. Uh, development it's and that's already done before you even yeah. put the first house in. Right, and that's the challenge is to connect all the pieces and try to make it a uniform system rather than patchwork. When you're in a completely unique area. Right. So it, it is going to uh, be a little bit of a, a problem for some folks because it may be a situation where we have to go in and dig out an outfall, a swale. We have to, I mean, we're finding easements that are on 
people's properties that you know now have <laughs> sheds, you know, sheds yeah. pools i mean yeah a lot of you know obviously a lot of landscaping and that's never a lot of fun to no. to deal with that's going to be part of it is convincing folks that you know this is what we need for the greater good uh we we do need to have an upgrade and and a, a master plan a master um, project that helps us because we're just having our system is a good system but we need to make it better we yeah. need to improve it so as a homeowner and i have a problem i had a problem my husband's like oh let's just throw dirt at it and I said, listen, I don't want to throw $30,000 of dirt at it to find out that that's not what we needed. And we called Sir Wicket and we had Mike come and you came and saw the property. And it was determined that the area that we were in was short an outfall. And that was put in and the drainage has improved immensely. Okay. Um, so just to tell people, hey, if you have a problem on your property before you come up with your own ideas of what it is that needs to be fixed it doesn't cost anything to call the district and have them come out and evaluate the situation to see if it is something that can be fixed down the road or if it is something local to you that maybe then you do have to do it with that so right right and and you know i mentioned before mike Dillon is is great at that sort of thing problem solving and i wanted to make another comment too like you were saying that mike comes out and he evaluates and he knows a lot and we go walking through the community and I'll ask him questions and say, Hey, how come this property has like virtually no swale? And this property has, you know, like a 40, that's exaggeration, obviously a 40 foot dug swale. And, you know, you would think everything would be the same, but because everything out here is so different, the way you attack all this, everything is so different. So you can't look at it from a, cookie cutter standpoint of careful when you say the word cookie cutter. <laughs> am i going to get cookie cutters <laughs> you might you m- check your mail amazon right. okay um but you can't you know you have well, to look half at the block it. can flow east and the other right. half of the block right. is flowing west so and he's say amazing, oh my neighbors is this and mine is yeah. that or this and i like i said i pointed out a couple of things to mike that i was like this doesn't make any sense to me and he's like well because this property i'm smarter than you yeah yeah, like, yeah. Oh, man, yes. you are yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, you, this was wrong and you didn't fix it. He's like, well, at the end of the day, I didn't have to fix it because it was working the way that it was supposed to work at the yeah. elevation that it is. So I think we should leave it to the professionals from this point. Yeah. I mean, there's only so much you can do in some situations. We, I mean, Mike has to say, you know, you just can't do anything. So, but with the comprehensive management plan that's being proposed, hopefully we would make it more consistent so you don't have water flowing, you know, 10 different directions on the same block and maybe maybe it only flows you know four or five different directions yeah. but but by shooting elevations everywhere you know having and and this is the most expensive part of the whole thing is the surveying by having everything surveyed then we know where you know the water needs to go and how how to fix it so uh that's you know that's what we hope will be the outcome of this whole thing it will have to be financed with a bond uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, board meetings where we discuss this and get public input. Uh, good. You know, and that's what we 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 want to know before we proceed, if everyone's good with it. And when that time happens, we'll have uh, the entire board here and you guys can sure. can talk about it. We can. Um, and and sunshine uh, laws. Huh? Unless it's at if the you board have the meeting. Entire board. Oh, the entire board. Then yeah. It's okay. they can, yeah. We can talk about sunshine laws. And uh, no, we can we can do, you know, a public, you know, so so people can get the word out there. Right. 
Um, anything else you want to touch upon before we wrap this up, John? No, I, I would like to say thank you very much to Jupiter Farms Residents for all you do for us and, um, you know, for uh, uh, supporting us and, and, and um, you know, being a partner. Well, you guys make, it, make, you guys make it really easy. You know, when, when you have somebody on there that has this kind of know-how, you know, you've been, you've been absolutely indispensable to, to the board of supervisors. And, and that's the reason why we support you. If, um, we try, you know, so thank you very much for joining us, John. Okay. All right. We're at the end of another episode of the Jupiter farms residence podcast. Remember coming up in November in the farms, November 9th is talking trash another neighborhood community cleanup meet at the Jupiter farms park pavilion at 8 AM. And many thanks to Kathy Moore and Flossie Simpson for heading these up. You both make Jupiter farms sparkle. We hope to see you this month at November 12th, Jupiter farms residence meeting 7 PM at Jupiter farms pavilion. Come join us here. Updates from PBSO, Sir Wicket. And this month, our meeting is sponsored by anytime appliance. They've given us a $50 true value gift card for our monthly raffle. Many thanks to you at anytime appliance. November 16th is the Jupiter Farms Residence Hoedown from 12 noon to 5 p.m. at the Jupiter Farms Park Pavilion. Our musical guest this year is the String Assassins. We'll have food trucks from both Burnt Offerings and the Scoop Coop and featuring games from Jupiter Bounce. The rules are posted online for the food competition, so be sure to bust out those recipes and compete to be the best in the farms. November 21st is the Sir Wicket Monthly Board of Supervisors meeting at 7 p.m. And remember, the monthly meetings are now held at the pavilion here in Jupiter Farms Park. Mark your calendars on Saturday, December 7th. Jupiter Farms residents Christmas trees go on sale at Town & Country Feed & Supply. Sales open to the public at 9 a.m. And supply is limited, so get there early. Also coming up in December, the tickets for our third annual Jupiter Farms shootout will be going on sale. So watch our social media pages and get those tickets before we sell out. Also, if you would like to come on board as a shootout sponsor, the more the merrier and the earlier, the more exposure for your service or business. So there you go. That's a lot of information, but luckily you can rewind and listen to it all over again. Once again, folks, thanks for listening to the Jupiter Farms Residence podcast and be sure to hit that subscribe button so you'll be notified when new episodes release and please share it with your neighbors and friends. Our very many thanks to John Meyer from Sir Wicket for coming out and being a wonderfully informative guest. Thanks also... Thanks also to David Guggenheim of Someone Talked Media for your direction and engineering. And thanks to you all for streaming and listening to the Jupiter Farms Residence Podcast. Take care and we'll be speaking with you again before too long from the farm. So now say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. goodbye. All right. So. Here we are. Let's start this podcast. <laughs> number now 11. That we, now that we finished it, number this is 11. number 11. Episode 11. Double. We still running? We're still running. You are? I'm running with the devil. <laughs> running with the devil. Well, here we are at another episode of the Jupiter Farms Residence Podcast. This is lucky number 11. With us this month, we have Mr. What? You didn't introduce yourself. Bite me, David. <laughs> Well, here we are at another... Well, here we are at another Jupiter Farms Residence Podcast. We're never doing two again because he's punchy. I was punchy at the beginning. Take care. We'll be speaking at you again next month from the... Take care and we'll be speaking at... So that is open to the public at 7 p.m. And supply is limited, so get there early. No? 9 a.m. Hmm? Open to the public at 9 a.m. Open to the pick pre- the pre-order pickups at 8 a.m. 
You open said to 7 the p.m. You just said 7 p.m. We have the tape to prove it. All right. <laughs> For a change. This has been a production of someone talkmedia.com.